Good morning. It's great to see everybody again. I know it was only a couple seconds ago that I was up here, essentially. But um, it's good to be uh, back preaching the Word. haven't had the opportunity in a while, but I want to say thank you to everybody who uh, has spoken the last couple of weeks. Uh, it is great to, to hear some new voices, right? Uh, my voice, maybe you get tired of my voice, maybe you don't. But amen. If you've got a Bible, we're going to start in uh, Genesis where we're going to be at. We've been continuing our, our Heroes of the Faith series, right? And it's something we will continue as we even go into the new year. There's a lot of incredible men and women of faith that we will we'll get the, the chance to hear about and just what they have done and how they are examples to us. And, and all of the people that we're talking about are coming from Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about being the heroes of the faith, and it talks about how they, they shut the mouths of lions, It'll, that's Daniel, it talks about they, they dealt with the furnace of the flames from Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they, there was David and Samson, and, and there's a lot of incredible, incredible, incredible men and women of the faith. But today, we're going to continue, I told you last time that, that I spoke that I was going to do a part two of Abraham. Because there's so much about Abraham that, that we can talk about. That we can learn from his faith. And in Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1, and, what is it, 1 through 5, it, it talks about, because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And he is one of the witnesses that, that we think of when we think of running our race of faith and, and going through our life. And, and we want to reflect on the great men and women who've come before us so that we can be encouraged and inspired to continue. But before I jump in, I do want to pray. I got up here talking and I thought, let's make sure that we, we start with a prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's, so let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for this time. Uh, we thank you for your word and, and the fact that you have given it to us. You have protected it and guided it through the ages, God, to to preserve your word, your, your account of what you have done to, to let us know how you are trying to reconcile us, to, to fix the evils in the world so that we can one day be with you. God, I just ask that you speak through me powerfully this morning as I be an instrument of your will and of your spirit. Let me, let me work and, and speak in accordance and be in step with you, O oh God. Father, we love you. We pray that your spirit work powerfully on each and every one of our hearts this morning. We give thanks to you and pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your son and our Lord. Amen. Amen. So what a uh, one of the things that I feel like I want to start off talking about is I have another really cool video for you guys that I wanted to share. And, and this one is from the same same group of people. It's a little less illustrated, but it's, they do a great job. And what they're doing is they're describing what is a covenant. Right, we hear that word and we think, okay, a covenant, that's a deal or something like that. It's some kind of religious word. But what is it? What does it look like? What does it mean to be in a covenant relationship with God? And we're going to learn uh, about a little bit today. I want to introduce this concept because it's going to, to carry through even what Abraham has done. And I think it's important for us to see what a covenant is, what Abraham's role was, how God has continued to make covenants with others. And I think it will even make sense to when we talk about the new covenant and how it applies to us. All right. So we're going to watch a quick video and uh, then we will we'll jump into it.
But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much. And that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right, and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have failed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what that does is select a smaller group of people out of the many, and he makes a new partnership with them called the Covenant. And in the covenant, God makes promises, and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah, saying, Listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great. So what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant, is that God is promising to be faithful, even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them, and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asks David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel and obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. 
But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the New Covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus, is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who is able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah, and what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man. That Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. Amen. It's a cool video. They have, they have a lot of these. I really like uh, how they, they illustrate it. Thank you, Kristen, for starting that. And it's, it's amazing to kind of see that explained. I don't know if that helped anybody. The first time I saw that, even for me, that I, I think I watched it maybe six months ago, or nah, probably three months ago. feels like six months. And I thought that, wow, that's such a great way. They do a really good job. And, and I appreciated it, but I think that it even helps me to today understand what it is that Abraham did. You know, if, you, if you've been around church, you've heard the, the idea of Father Abraham, right? That, that he is the father of faith. You guys heard that? If you, if you uh, grew up in the church, you probably know the song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. Yeah, yeah. So it, it keeps going, keeps going. If you've never heard it, it's a fun kid's song. If you ever work in Kids Kingdom, you might just hear it. Uh, but it's, it's great. And so what we're going to look at today, though, is kind of one of the beginnings of, of the covenant that, that Abraham made with God. And, and so the, the title of this whole lesson... Right is a partnership of faith. A partnership of faith. So if you're taking notes, that's, uh, that's the title of this. The, sec- the first point is going to be God's promises and Abraham's commitments. God's promises and Abraham's commitments. Starting in Genesis 17, is where we're going to be at. You guys with me? Awesome. You know, my goal is to help us, again, understand what is a covenant, understand what it is that, that Abraham's expectations were from God, you know, what were his commitments that God had asked him to hold to, and then how was it that he, he fulfilled them, and what are God's promises. And in talking about that, my hope is to say, to see what we also can look at for ourselves. And to be inspired by his level of commitment. And, and sometimes to even be challenged. But we're going to start in Genesis 17 and look at verse 1. It says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, 
I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. And then God said to Abram, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. And we're going to skip over and look at verse 15. But in between here, he gives him the covenant, the, the, the expectation of circumcision. That any male born into his household or any slaves that he owned would go and be circumcised. And he says, this is a sign that, that you belong to me. Right. And so we pick up in verse 15. And this is where God told him specifically what to do. And in verse 15, it says this. God also said to Abram, as for your as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah and I will bless her. And will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will keep the mother of be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abram fell face down and he laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God said, then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers. And I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abram, God went up from him, went up from him. On that very day, Abram took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household and circumcised them as God had told him. Now, let's just let's pause there for a second. And I, I want to, first off, I want to explain. Ishmael, I don't know if, how many of us know this. Ishmael was actually the Ishmaelites. We might, we would know them today as, as Muslims. Anybody of the Islamic faith. And so that's why they actually say that, that Muslims and are of the Abrahamic faiths. They, they do some similar things. They have some similar practices. They practice circumcision. There are many similar qualities. But it, that's actually where they come from, if you've ever heard that. And if you have questions about that, uh, we can talk about it afterwards. I didn't want to dig too much in it today, but it, I'm sure that 
Some people will have questions. It's a good study, uh, things to dig into. But I did want to clarify that so you know that's who it is. And so, but we're going to look at here is to look at God's promises to Abram or to Abraham. And, and what he tells him, he says, he promises him, he said, you will be the father of many nations. Right? Now that's cool if you think about, you know, being a parent one day, like having a lot of kids, you want your kids to be successful. You want to leave a legacy of some type. If you think about it, I think any of us would want to do that. If you want to have kids, that's something you naturally will desire. And we look at this and, and God tells him, you're going to be the father of nations, which is kind of cool to think about that. Like that's, that's, that would be encouraging to me. To, if God told me one day your kids will change the world, I would be fired up. I don't know about you, but I would be super excited. Maybe if I didn't do it, that's okay, but they're going to do it. That gets me pumped, right? Abram doesn't ever get to see that, but it's, it's a promise from God. He tells him also, he says, your, your children will be kings. They will come from you. They're going to be kings. He says, in this land that you're living in, you're a stranger, it's all going to be yours. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to all of your kids. And then what he also tells me, he says, and through you, the entire world is going to be blessed. And I don't know if you, if, if God told you that right now, he said, I'm going to bless God, or I'm going to bless the world through you. If you thought about it right now, God comes down and he tells you, I am going to work miracles through you and your children. I don't know if that would encourage you. That would certainly encourage me. Right. So this is, these are some incredible promises. But he put some, he put some uh, expectations of commitment on Abram. Right. He tells Abram, he says, you need to walk in my presence. The whole version says you need to live in my presence. That's what it says. And I like uh, Chris, what he shared this morning. He's like the three P's. That was a great welcome. He did a really good job. But it was, uh, he had the three P's. Prayer, presence, what was it? Uh, perspective. Yeah. And it's, those three things were, were, those were awesome sermon points. I'm like, I'm going to have to figure out how to use those. Uh, somewhere else because you use them. No, uh, amen. But it was, those were great things. But we look at this quality, and in God's presence, he says, be in my presence. He says, and be blameless. That would be tough, right? Is anybody in here blameless? Absolutely not. If you are, you should be preaching and and teaching us. But I look at that, and it says, live in my presence and live blamelessly. But then he also says, and hold to this covenant. Hold to the circumcision aspect. You know, go and, and do it to, to all of the males in your household. And here's an interesting thing. How long did Abram wait? That day. The scripture says it was that day he got everybody together and did that. There was no time of reflection of, oh, should I do this? You know, a couple days of prayer. It was just, that was the expectation. That's what he did. Right? And, and... If you know what that is, that, that would be a, a challenge to some extent. Uh, to go and to make that immediately. And I guess I, I look at this in, in this regard. God made all these incredible promises, right? 
We looked at the promises he made to Abraham. And he says, these are the, the commitments I want from you to do these things. And what's amazing about Abraham is he does it. He does it. That's why he's the father of faith, guys. That's why we, we, we look to him and when we say, because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us cast off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race marked out for us. Right? That's, it's, he's one of those that we, we reflect on and we think about and we go to. And so let me ask you this question. How are you doing at living up to your commitments to God? Right? When we became disciples, we said Jesus is Lord. Right? We said that Jesus is Lord. And, you know, I, I, I'm now at the point where I study the Bible with people and I'm doing Lordship. I'm like, okay, Jesus is Lord. And I've explained some stuff to you. But is, is that going to mean he's going to be Lord of the things that you don't even understand yet? You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. That there's, there are things with, that we're going to have to re-surrender. That we're, going to have to re, that we're going to have to learn and then give to God. And do we do that? Because that was the commitment that we made when we said, Jesus is Lord of my life. For the rest of my life, over every element, Jesus is Lord. And then we act with persistence and perseverance. We act with faith and trust. And I would encourage us to act immediately. When you know the promises of God, what is it that we get? Promise of heaven. We get to be a part of the kingdom. I get Now, personally, I get you guys. Which, some of you may think that I get the bad end of the deal. I'm encouraged by, by you. Alright? So, I'm, I'm encouraged by the church. I'm encouraged by the... The, the family that I have. And even sharing with someone like, this is, this is my family. I have a family and I love them very much. I have, you know, my, my family back in Texas, they're amazing and I love them. But at this point, I, I feel as close, if not sometimes closer, to this family than my own family. You know? I don't know if any of you can relate to that. But, but I love that about the kingdom. That's a promise that God gave me. He tells me, if you give up mother, brother, sister, you leave land, anything, you'll receive a hundred times in this life. I have that. Janetta, Janetta's like my grandma right there. You know, she's not the only one either. I have a couple around the kingdom that I just love. I've got a couple women in the kingdom who are just like my mob. Like, I love them. There's a, there's a sister in San Antonio who, you know, I haven't seen her in years. And I was texting her, her husband and, and her to come to our baby shower when we go back to San Antonio. And they were like cracking jokes at each other and like in a, a group text together. And I was like, this is why I love you guys. But I just, I hadn't talked to them in months. And yet they're like, oh, we're so excited for you. Can't wait to see you. They're my, they're my family. Right? She is like my other mom. And I love her so much. But that's a promise that God has fulfilled. In his word that he told me that I would get. Brothers? I didn't grow up with brothers. I grew up with four sisters. Amen. So, four sisters. Amen. Uh, I had four sisters that I grew up with. No brothers. Uh, middle child. Christian always gets mad when I say that because I am a twin. But I was still born first. So, technically, that puts me in the middle. Uh, and, you know, we, we look at that, though. I... I I have brothers in the kingdom of God. My best friend in the world. He lives in Florida now. I just love that guy. He is my brother. You guys are, are, are my, 
my brothers, you know, my, my uncles. Like, I won't call you my fathers because that may discourage some of you. But it's like that. And I love you guys. But it's... That had to come with my commitment to love the church like that. To love. How are you doing at loving the church? Right? How are you doing at, at following the commands of God and, and cutting off sin in your life? For us, we're still called to walk blamelessly as well. And, and luckily, you know, you saw in the video, it, it kind of talked about it like Jesus, his grace and his mercy will wash over that when we stumble and when we fall at times, as long as we get up to persevere. Right. And so as we continue to pursue. But I, I just want to encourage us. We look at Abraham's faith. He acted right away. What are you waiting on? What, what promises are you going to miss out on? Because you're not holding to your commitments. And if you're learning, follow. If you're learning, follow. When you see something, follow it. Aspire to do great things. Not because of what God has done, but, but because of who He is and, and, and what He's done for us, we, we do it. Not because of what... We have to, to receive His promises. But it's because what He's already done for us, right? He's made such amazing promises. So let's, let's just hold to our end of the deal. Which the best thing we can do, the greatest command we have, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing at loving? Does that make sense, church? So I think that we look at what God's promises were to Abraham. We look at Abraham's commitments that he has to make. He made them. He held to them. And while his children later broke them, he held on. And he held on hard and fast to trust. And that's actually going to be the second second point that I have. I only have two points today. The second point is a partnership of trust. Because we talked about the covenant. When you enter a covenant, you're a partner, right? So we're talking about the partnership of trust. And so we're going to flip over, just uh, go through a little bit. Turn over to, to Genesis 22. Now a lot happens, all right, between Genesis 17 and Genesis 22. All right, a lot of things happen. But we'll, and to give you kind of a synopsis of it, Sodom and Gomorrah get destroyed. Which was crazy. If you want to read that story, that's interesting. But his, uh, Abraham, Abraham's nephew Lot gets saved. Abraham prays by faith and, and kind of like petitions God to, to like save the people. And he says God like relents and, and really listens to Abraham's prayers and persistence and, and trying to put himself in his presence. And, and he does those things. Uh, and then eventually the, there was... The only few, it was, it was interesting. I'm not going to go into all of that. That's a sermon on its own, but it's awesome. And so I would encourage you to read it. But that happens. Another interesting thing is, so Isaac is born. Right? We ended where God tells Abraham, nope, your 90-year-old wife is going to get pregnant, which is crazy. Right? That's a miracle right there. He's like, you're 100 years old. You're going to have another child. Uh, that's crazy. That's God. Amen. He's crazy. He does crazy things. But we see this. So Isaac is born. Isaac's being raised. And, and Sarah starts to see how Ishmael is mocking and teasing Isaac. And, and Sarah's like, they've got to go. 
And Abraham loves his son and, and he prays to God and, and God's like, I'm going to turn him into a great nation. Trust me. It's okay for you to do this. Like, I will take care of him. All right. And so he goes away and he says, but all of your blessings and I'm going to resolve the world through your son, Isaac. But I will make I will hold to my promise to you that I will take care of of Ishmael. All right. And it's cool to see that he still does that. He trusts God. He sends him away. He, he disinherits him. And so he's left with Isaac as his only son. And so we're going to pick up here in Genesis 22. We're going to start in verse one. I'm going to read a li- I'm going to read a good section here. So stick with me. In fact, I'm going to read all of, not all of, I'm going to read a good section of verse, chapter 22. But starting in verse 1, 22, says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son Isaac, your only son your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. Again, next day sort of thing. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the, word, uh, took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke to his, to his father Abraham. Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God. And because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and saw there in a thicket. He saw a ram caught, in, caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And he said, I swear to you by myself, declares the Lord, That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offering, all nations on earth 
will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This faith is outstanding. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy faith. You know, Abraham is one of the only men that we know of throughout all of Scripture who can relate to sacrificing their own son. The only other father we know in all of the Bible who does that is God with his son Jesus. And, and God sees from Abraham, he says, he sees that his faithfulness is equal to God's faithfulness on this. Which is crazy that he would give his one and only son incredible faithfulness. But we look at this, and so his faith to follow through with this is astounding. Astounding to consider what it would take to do this. You know, Abraham's trust was amazing. He was faithful in what would be. Because through the whole world, we're blessed. Because his children, through his children came Jesus Christ. Because of his faith, we're blessed. And, and you just want to ask yourself, who's going to be blessed by your faith? Your family? Your kids? Who's your kids? Their kids? Who are they going to reach? Whose lives are they going to change? To bless the world? Because do you remember at the end of this, we talked about Abraham's covenant. Abraham said, God told Abraham, I will justify and reconcile the entire world through you and your family. But now we're a part of the new covenant. Because we're the ones that now God is using us to reconcile the world. Do you guys see where I'm going? Like that's, that's amazing to consider that we're the ones that God is going to use to reconcile the world to Him. Who are we bringing through us, with us, through that door to be with Christ? You guys remember the door in the world and it's all the people following Jesus? Who are we bringing with us? You know, I love that Abraham knew he had faith in what would be. It was a partnership of trust. He trusted God. Hebrews tells us, it says in Hebrews that that Abraham believed that God could bring Isaac back from the dead. But what I love to see is that Abraham tells the servants, what did he say? He said, you wait here and we will come back. I don't know if anybody else caught that. He said, we will come back. Yet, he knew God was faithful and true. He knew that something would have to happen. Like, and yet, he still said, we will come back. And then as he's walking, you know, he's carrying the fire in the wood. And, and you know, I'm guessing that's probably not that heavy. Of course, he loads up his, you know, you're young, you carry the wood. That's what Euro's dad would do, right, Euro? Absolutely. Yeah. So, but the idea is like you... you he, he's there, and, and Isaac asks him, he's like, Dad, we're supposed to make a sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham already knows. He's like, God's going to provide it. God's going to provide it. He's trusting. He knows that something is going to happen, that the sacrifice will be there. You know, and, and when we look at that, Abraham believed that God would provide There are certain times in our lives, don't we have to just trust that God's going to provide? Don't you have to trust that God is going to give you what you need? And and sometimes whether it's a job, you know, that one day God's going to give you what He needs, what you need. 
And, and, but it's, are you trying to fulfill the commitments? I've known, I've known men who have, who turned down jobs. I know a guy, his name is Sunil. He got offered a job at a, uh, a place called Rackspace. Um, it's, a, it's a big internet web hosting company or whatever, and it's an incredible place to work. Incredible place to work, amazing benefits. They offered him a really good like salary, really good salary. And he said, do you host pornographic sites at your company? And they said, well, we don't turn down any clients. And he says, but do you do this? And he goes, I cannot... I personally cannot support it or work for and, and contributing to this. And so he turned down the job. Just and, and he had a house and kids to pay for and student loans to pay off and, and all sorts of things. But he turned down that job saying, I'll find something else. But God will provide me with something else. I'm going to do what's right in my conscience, what's right by God. I will walk behind this there. That takes some trust. Yeah. Right? I mean, some of us might think, hey, I just need something to pay the bills for a little while. Right? right? And yet, but are you doing what's right by God? He ended up getting a great job. You know, he, he ended up, I think, actually getting a, an honorary... Uh, well, no, he, he got his master's degree. He got an honorary uh, bachelor's degree at some point because of the things that he'd done. He's an incredible guy. But just that act of faith to trust God. How do you do at trusting God that God's going to provide for you? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, think about it. You know, and, and I look at this other aspect. Abraham trusted God. He believed that everything would be all right. Uh, his heart was to know that his son would be okay eventually. And, and I'm going to share something personal with you. Hopefully it doesn't make anybody uncomfortable. So we're going to have our first child. And, and I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to hold him. Uh, a friend of ours spoke, like... So many of our friends are having babies and having pregnancy announcements. It's crazy. But uh, one of our friends posted a picture of he and his newborn son. And they're on the couch. And, and he like takes a picture of him. And he said, Saturday morning snuggles. Mm-hmm. And so he's got his little, his little newborn baby in his arms. And I was just like, I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait to hold my little and, and just to love him. to like Just to see him. Just to hold my child. Yeah. And... I already love him so much. But Kristen and I were talking, and um, this is a part that is personal, but we're trying to make the decision on whether or not he's going to be circumcised. Right? So the Bible talks about circumcision, I'll talk about it. But we're trying to make that decision. And one of the things that we were talking through is, is how to do it. And if you take him back to the hospital, and they're going to take my little boy from me. They're going to strap him down, hands and feet, and then they're going to hurt him. And then they're going to have to leave him like that for like 30 minutes before they're going to give him back to me. And so for me, I'm thinking like, I am not happy with that. Not, emotionally, I'm like, I already love this child so much. And to let him leave my presence to be hurt like that. Like the number of things, his emotional agony, his physical like pain, like all of these things, his, he's going to be alone, right? Or he's going to at least be without us. And and I just think about it. and I go, I have to have trust. I have to trust the doctors. 
That's not easy to do. To have my little boy bound up, you know, and, and something happened to him. And on all I can think, and I, that's so much smaller than what Isaac went through, what, what Abraham had to do. And, and I'm thinking, I've got to trust. I've got to trust. It's going to be okay. I, I look at this, I believe Abraham was telling him that same thing as he's walking towards and up this mountain. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God's going to provide. It's going to be alright. I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust God. It's going to be okay. Just over and over and over. Right? There are times where we're faced with we have to trust. And Abraham is the father of faith because he trusted so intensely. Do you trust God like that? Are you trusting God in the things that scare you? Right? Are you trusting? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to trust God, to let it be known that, God, you will lead the way and everything will be alright. Even if that means at times in this life, things will be hard and uncomfortable and they will hurt. But do you believe that in the end, everything's going to be alright? You guys get what I'm saying? Perspective. That at the end of all things, we will one day be with God. Perspective. That God will bless the world through you. But it's when you hold to His faith, when you walk blamelessly, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can you do it? I believe you can do it. I believe you can do it if you go with all of your heart. Anywhere you don't have the strength, God will provide the rest. Amen? Yeah. And we know that to be true. And so I want, that's, that's the commitment that Abraham had for himself, for God. Right? Or that he was going to do, he was going to be held to. And so for our commitments, I, I, for the sake of time, I'm going to only reference these, but John 8, 31 and 32, it was read this morning already. Because if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The promise of that is freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the slavery to impurity, immorality, anger, rage, jealousy. All of these things can be yours. In Christ. But you've got to hold to his teachings. That's, that's the expectation on us. There are literally over... There's hundreds of these different types of sayings and, and, and promises that God, that Jesus makes throughout the New Testament. Promises that we can see from the apostles in their writings. And, and I would encourage us, maybe go do some studies. What are some of the things that Jesus promises us? What's going to encourage you? Freedom is yours. Freedom from darkness. Freedom from the evil that plagues us. Freedom from so many overwhelming things. But it's when we hold to God with great trust and perseverance. And the last thing is Matthew 16. This one's a little harder for me to quote off the top of my head, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. But in verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet, lose, yet forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, we will have... He's talking about eternal life. And many people struggle to let go of their life in this world. 
They struggle with fear. They struggle. I know many men struggle with the anxiety. If you're unmarried, will I ever get married? Women, same thing. I know it goes both ways. What about jobs? What about this? What about that? What about it? Is God good and true? Or is He not? Right? Right? Amen? I mean, is God, is He good and true or not? And so I say this to us. I want to encourage us. It won't always be easy. It won't always be simple. It won't always be straightforward. But our partner is trustworthy and true. He will come through. And so, I want to encourage you. We can change the face of this city. That we can reconcile many to come to the Lord. When we hold to Him and live out just the commitments. But we will have freedom. We will have peace. We will have many things that He's already promised us. But let us be sure that we are the people that hold up to our commitments on our end. Because God will certainly hold up to His. Amen? Amen. Amen.